You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Disturb with Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. I'm here with Rabbi Yitzhak Kolakowski, head of chaplain services in Waymark Prison in Waymark, Pennsylvania. You know, Yitzhak, we, we came up with the idea of doing this because of uh, your experiences, your um, what you know about this world. And of course, it's gone a little bit beyond where we started. But the idea of love was the idea of Avas Yisroh, obviously role that was built into the uh, ideas of the Volshemtev, and that are really in the Torah itself, and the Ava towards the whole humanity. And I think all of that informs this stir, which we know is this prison system, and we're trying to bring Ava to it, Ava of humanity, Ava Yisrael. Um, I th- tonight, though, I-, I think we've got another spin on to stir with love. And that, of course, is what goes into the stir, what goes into m- m- some prisons, is Ava, pure, unadulterated, but not the human kind. It, it, it's, it's Ava from the animals towards the inmates, specifically dogs, and which we know are sort of like genetically programmed, I guess, and have been bred to bring forth within human beings a sense of love and, and feeling connectedness to them. Now, how do dogs get into prison? Um, it seems that for many years now, I think all the way from the 80s already, uh, people understood that the prison population isn't necessarily just to make license plates or to do, you know, avodas perech, uh, but there's another avoda that could be taught the prisoners. And it seems like there've been a number of programs that were successful in doing that, which was volunteers have come, they've screened different types of prisoners and discovered that there are many of them that have become quite capable in, first of all, taking dogs that would have been euthanized, dogs that would have been just left, that are left in shelters, and getting them ready to be adopted by families. And specifically, there's another subset of that, which is they are able to train uh, inmates, who they call handlers, to go through a process, which is about two years, to train a dog not just to be, uh, you know, a wild pit bull will now be submissive, but the dog can actually become a magic dog, a service dog for, um, for the, the wounded heroes, for the ones who have come back with, uh, with stress uh, syndrome from, from battle, for the ones that, are, uh, that need a dog to get around because of, uh, of injuries uh, that they've suffered for, the, for our country. And it's incredible that there has been, and reading up on it today, and it was news to me, that there's been successful, this has been a program that has been quite successful. Um, there's testimonials that uh, you sent to me today, Yitzchak, of prisoners who are saying how, how, how this makes them feel uplifted, how they feel needed, how it gives them skills that they, be, that they believe in themselves, how they don't feel judged by having the love of, of these animals, how, how and, and many of them, and Rabbi, I, I checked with our, uh, our sort of our third co-host, Rabbi Scheinman, and Rabbi Scheinman said he knows of someone who was involved in such a program in Illinois, and she became a registered animal trainer and is now on the outside 
I don't know if she's raking in the dough, but she feels very satisfied with what she's doing. Now, um, so this is, this is quite something which I believe maybe our program needs to stress that there should be more of this and we should do whatever we can. Now, what, what do you know about this Yitzchak firsthand from what you know in Waymart? Well, I remember when I first started working there, you know, even people who are not miserable, you know, people aren't, you know, walking around like with a big, a big frown or scowl. Most people seem just generally content, but you never see anybody with a real big smile. And when I saw the guy who gets to be the dog handler and he's just taking the dog out to walk, just with a big smile on his face, so excited, so happy that he's able to to have the dog there. It's a, it, it was it really made a big impression on me to see how happy this inmate was that he's the guy who gets to he gets to have the dog. So uh, that that was really my first exposure to this, and I found out that it's really you know it's an incredible incredible program. It's, and and how ubiquitous it is throughout the country. It's a very popular program throughout prisons, and it really fulfills what you know we've been talking about. Uh, you know, more recently, as far as criminal justice reform, it really fills in all of the boxes of criminal justice reform, of restorative justice, of giving back to the community. Really, all the all the, those boxes are checked with this program. It, it 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 removes some of the cruel aspects of of prison life by giving the inmates the opportunity to kind of feel at home a little bit. To have you know, especially if they grew up uh, with dogs or always had dogs, to have that little slice of home with them in the prison. That's part of it. It teaches them responsibilities. It gives them work to do. It teach. It gives them feelings of love, like like you mentioned that the dogs aren't judging. You know the the you know what what output you're on. They just show them an unconditional love, and they're giving back to the community by both rescuing these dogs that would otherwise be euthanized, and also. Um, and also by training these dogs to be service animals, particularly for our wounded warriors or for whoever else might need them. There's many different programs, uh, and and these tend to be uh, a volunteer run, all with donations. Uh, it doesn't cost the taxpayer anything. So it's really, uh, it, it seems like it it's a win-win on all sides. Now, you know, Yitzha, before we get before we get to the complications over the last couple of years, I just want to on, on the heels of what you're saying, and I think I'm 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 I want to you know I've we've play acted a number of times. I'm not going to really play act, but I do want to read the words of a testimonial of 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 an actual prisoner, and, I, and his words are, are obviously theirs. There was a uh, a. Uh, a magazine that came out, I guess, an up uh, like a like a like a, a biannual um, magazine about all paws on deck in Pennsylvania. So let me just read from there of a testimony of one of the prisoners. So here's Matthew. I was always fond of animals, especially dogs. I thought I knew all there was to know. 
Joining the dog program gave me an escape from the hectic environment of being incarcerated. I've had one basic dog, one service dog, one therapy dog, and most recently I have a goose dog. Okay, I'm going to go out of character for a minute. The goose dogs are the dogs that are a lot of the prisons um, are sort of overwhelmed by geese and other um, uh, birds that come and uh, for, for lack of a better term, poop all over the place. So they need um, they need dogs to go out there and shoo these geese away. And the prisoners are taught how to train the dog uh, to act in such a way. Okay. They, they should probably uh, slaughter the geese. Have something. something <laughs> here. That might be something. Yeah, right. Okay. Back, okay. I'm back to being Matthew now. Each one taught me how to show empathy and compassion on different levels. Each dog loved me unconditionally for who I was and how I treated them. They didn't know we were in jail or what I did to wind up here. They didn't judge me. It gave me a great sense of pride. Each dog I helped save and train. The responsibility of having a dog help keep me out of trouble. So it's very easy to get caught up in jailhouse politics. Just knowing that the dog needed me saved me many times. Whenever I faced a challenge or adversity, I knew I could retreat to my dog and either go for a walk or help that dog with its problems. Having these dogs showed me that I do have a softer side. I've learned a lot about myself throughout this program. I definitely will take what I learned and apply it to my everyday life when I go home. And you can teach an old dog new tricks. So that's Matthew. Um, and, and it sounds real. It doesn't sound like it's made up. Um, and uh, I'm going to read a little bit of Corey. It's been a lot of fun. I cannot see myself doing anything else. I'm grateful to have had the privilege to take responsibility for my life at a cause, no less, giving back to the community. These dogs come from all different walks of life. <laughs> to each one, a rough road. It's my job to help smooth their path. The days of neglect and hunger are over. The threat of being euthanized is at its end. They can finally have peace in their lives. And that alone gives me peace in mind. Sounds like a preacher, Corey. Um, and the dogs do have a, a rough road. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking, Yitzchak, when we were talking about this, because, you know, I have a dog and I've talked about the dog often. And um, we got the dog by COVID. And, and I've read articles about how there's been a, a run on dogs. Uh, everybody wants one. Everybody wanted a COVID dog. Everybody needed to have a dog to connect to because they were all we were all sort of prisoners, right? We all understood what this was, that we wanted to feel we had purpose and we wanted something to love us and we wanted someone not to judge us or you didn't want someone, right? So I would have thought, wow, now we need them more than ever. We've got to we've got to go to the kennels, we've got to go to these places and 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 start caravanning these dogs to the to the to the prisoners. And and come on, there's gonna be a there's a big need for it now. And yet it seems based on you know your research that this programs these programs have been frozen one of the 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 the, uh, the fallouts from the covid pandemic madness has been that it's not in waymart anymore and may, has, as far as you know it might not have started up in any place in pennsylvania and maybe perhaps across the country, just like, as we've talked about before, how the prisons have become terrible places. You know, we had, of course, uh, prisoners talk about how terrible it was 
Uh, we've had them come on this program and discuss it. But it seems like this is another carbon of the uh, of of COVID, which which seems to be uh, uh, a, an important one. Now, Yitzhak, explain why this program stopped when COVID took over. Yeah, we're we're still we're working on getting it back, and it's something that we're probably going to start within the next week or two. But really, the main thing was is that volunteer programs all stopped. When COVID came, you know, the, we, it was something I lamented very much that, you know, we have, uh, you know, I, I pride myself on having a diverse, you know, I'm, I'm not only the chaplaincy program director, but I'm also the volunteer coordinator. And I think this really opened me up to, you know, the importance of volunteer programs outside of chaplaincy, but even within chaplaincy, you know, I pride myself on having a diversity of religious programs at Waymart, uh, trying to have the most diverse religious uh, programming, not just to have uh, 50 uh, Protestant volunteers, not that to poo-poo the Protestant volunteers, but it seems that that's what you usually have. I, you know, I w- went out of my way to get the Odinist and the Wiccan, and we had the Buddhist, and we had Jehovah's Witness, and all of those came to an end as well, meaning if we have someone who gets paid, those could come in even for a while they couldn't come in. But uh, if, if someone, if all of those people were left with nothing and the same thing here, uh, the, the, this volunteer program with the, with the uh, dog program, it, it had to come to an end. So, I so would, even though these, even though these, let's say Fido or uh, all, uh, you know, whatever it is, care for your dogs, those, those organizations are still extant, but they don't have, the cheap labor that they need. In other words, they're still they're still out there. But one of the things the prison helped them with, and that's why you called it a win-win situation, was because you had a population of basically vibrant young people who were stuck in one place who would actually take the hours and time necessary to do this, right? That was the reason why the prisoners were perfect. Uh, for it, because you know, the, the, to become a, a trainer of a service dog, they spend twenty four seven with the uh, with with the person, right? So it's almost like, the, although those institutions are still out there trying to collect uh, charity funds for people who are animal lovers, but they're missing their workforce, right? I think that's probably uh, well, they have two sides of the workforce because they have the inmates, but they also have their own people. Who come in to to train the inmates? And that's, I understand. They, that's the main reason why it had to come to an end during COVID was because they, those those are the people that are missing. Right, and and, and again, and we have spoken about how illogical it is. Right, I mean, there's obviously precautions that can be taken now, and this is a program that should be uh, reinstituted as soon as possible. It's a program where you know it might take years to get through to someone. Um, if, if without the animal, but the animals, especially if there's someone who, who his only way of showing love and affection and feeling is through an animal. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're taking away a need and then we'll get to the, to the, okay. to the, the con side on this. All right. So when, when I was doing research for this video just today, I watched several videos about uh, about dog programs, including ones in Pennsylvania that made it onto Animal Planet and other shows. It was actually a whole 
series, I think, called uh, Pitbulls Behind Bars or something, or Pitbulls and Prisoners. I don't remember what, what the name of the show was, but yeah. it was a... It some was, sort of was, some sort of alliteration i get it <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was a you know a, a regular reality show on 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 the uh on animal planet for a number of years and beyond that there was one video and they were also there are cat programs other programs but the, but florida being a, a a place of biodiversity and uh, and a perfect type of environment for so many types of animals that really um, could thrive in that environment. It's very well known for how many invasive species uh, <laughs> you know, really thrive in Florida because because it's it's such a great type of environment for animals. Uh, there tend to be also a lot of animals that wind up needing to be rescued. People try to keep them as pets, and then they realize they can't handle them. And a, a, a county jail in Florida actually started off with just a, a few ducks and then wound up to this point, as at least when this video was made, I'm not sure how long ago the video was made, that they had about 150 animals, pretty much a, a, like a, what we generally would call a rescue zoo. All the, most of these animals were you know, just dropped off at the prison or something, people, you know, realized they couldn't take care of them. And such a menagerie, uh, you know, we, we, we're used to seeing dogs and cats or maybe some aquarium fish uh, in prisons. We do have, you know, aquarium fish, especially for our geriatric and mental health units. We found that to be very soothing and helpful. But uh, this place, they had alligators and the uh, a bull and uh, llamas and alpacas and an emu and uh, ferrets and, uh... and 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 I I was able to watch the video with you a couple of minutes before we started recording, and I saw that um, that un, un, unlike uh, the programs we're talking about uh, up until till now, this happy accident has yielded a situation where um, if a prisoner, well, I use Hebrew terms here, is zochev, if a prisoner is able to, you know, get, uh, get you know, is able to register and, and clear things, uh, four out of the 500 prisoners are allowed uh, during the day to act as the animal warden's uh, helper. And uh, with very strict surveillance, uh, this animal warden becomes became a a a, a Marshall County, Florida uh, CO. I don't think she was in the prison system before that. She was actually coming in to just make sure these animals were all right. And she became, uh, you know, uh, she was an animal trainer, and now she has to uh, be the overseer of this zoo, being helped by uh, these inmates, and they walk around with little caps that say "inmate" on them, and uh, uh, to them they are experiencing a sense of freedom, a sense of being outside, a sense of connectedness, a sense of peace, uh, not just with dogs, but with, you know, many of them probably came from backgrounds that they were familiar with these sort of large and exotic animals. And um, watching that video, uh, for those of uh, those of us who listen to this program, you can probably catch that video on YouTube, um, Inmates Run a Zoo, I think it's called. And I think you can see again, um, Obviously, you can't have zoos in every prison, but as you say, Florida is unique, but 
the testimonials of those prisoners seems to be very much of a piece of what we've seen uh, in the uh, all pause on deck program in Pennsylvania. So you took, as, as we sort of close up over here, why don't you talk about how it isn't all rosy? What, what, what could be some of the, um, how could this backfire? Well, one of, the, one of the things that I was shocked to hear, uh, I think it was on NPR a, a few uh, months ago, they had a story about uh, a woman who helped uh, an inmate escape from prison by hiding in the dog crate. And yet, the, the I think it was somewhere in uh, maybe in Milwaukee or somewhere, surprisingly, uh, after it was you know a multi-state chase and they 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 find the the man and the woman they both get arrested obviously uh, despite that somehow uh, they still had the dog program in this prison after an inmate escaped using the dog program so so in other words the, the person was 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 either small enough or the dog was large enough that he could curl up in the in in the uh, in the puppy carrier, in the dog carrier, and I think she carried him out, right? And he was put on a truck. And uh, I don't know what they did with the dog, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe he got in there with the dog together. I don't know. Um, they might, they might have been searching all the flea bag motels. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's where that, maybe that's how they found them. I don't know. <laughs> they, they put out, they put out, a, they put out an ALPO for them. Get it, Alpo. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying here. <laughs> yeah. uh, they had to sniff it. They had to. They they took. They they let the hounds out to try to see if they can find this guy. Um, yeah, but um, they they, they definitely had to bone. They had to bone up on all the escape routes out of the prison <laughs> to make sure that they were okay. Uh, to see they were able to make sure to find it. But um, by virtue of the fact that they were willing to keep this program after that it shows how valuable the program how, right how, i guess and i guess they i guess i guess the you know the lesson is you got to put a tail on the uh on all the workers afterwards yeah so, I, i'm trying over here Yitzhak. i'm I trying I got, I got you <laughs> so, uh, so basically what you're saying is that you're saying you're saying that just like every program uh, where you bring in another element. And we talked about this last week with the re the regulations on top of regulations that sometimes really clamp down and make you feel handcuffed. Um, this, this, this one can be, um, uh, it can be used and it can be abused because there needs to be a certain amount of openness uh, of letting the dogs in and letting the trainers in, letting the handlers in, the handlers are the prisoners, but the trainers in, and therefore when they leave, there is, the possibility of escape um, could happen, is what you're that, saying. That's part of it. And the other thing, because I am, first of all, I myself, I suffer from allergies, even though I grew up with dogs. Uh, I, I would much, I don't have any pets at home, but if I would have one, I'd probably pick some kind of a, a lizard or something that's you know I'm not going to have an allergy from, yeah. but uh, beyond that, which which made that Florida prison sound pretty nice with the alligators and the snakes and everything, but it, but as far as um, not only being sensitive to people's allergies but also to other cultures and religions and particularly 
uh, not only you know in the Jewish community there is some kind of a cultural aversion, particularly in the Haredi community, or Brooklyn Haredi community, that uh, aversion. Okay, to, so o o Otisville, <laughs> yeah. Otisville is 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 exed out. We're not gonna we're not gonna uh, bring, I mean, we're not bringing know, the dogs have, we're not bringing the dogs to Otisville. You know, or it would be cruel and unusual if they do. But it's not <laughs> only but there's a much more a religion that's much more common in prison than than Judaism is Islam, and they uh, certainly see dogs as haram, as being prohibited for them to uh, have indoors. It, it's seen, you know, it goes against their culture and their uh, general most Muslims' religious mores to have a dog in the inside, particularly not in a place, you know, since the, just like. We have to pray in, in a makam naki, a clean place. It's a big concern of theirs uh, that the place where they pray, it should be clean. And so therefore, that was uh, an issue that I was concerned about because the the person who runs the, meaning the, the staff member who's kind of in charge of the dog program at Waymart, you know, she was asking me about, you know, bringing in the volunteer since I'm a volunteer coordinator. But I also, and she asked, you know, could they use the auditorium, which we use as the chapel, for some kind of trainings for the dogs once a week? And I, I did express, I, I went, I made sure to ask the imam that to make sure that it wasn't going to be too offensive because, you know, we couldn't really keep a secret from the inmates that dogs are going to be, even if the dogs are there on Tuesday and they're praying on Friday, um, you know, I want to show yeah, them. Uh, this, right. It's a multi-purpose room. So, that it's, yeah. so that, this gets into, you know, in, in, in the Jewish uh, halachic is about a multi-purpose room. You know, Rav Moshe Feinstein has a truth on this about, uh, about you know, having Yom Narayim davening in, in a hotel that was rented in St. In Louis, which was a ballroom for mixed dancing. And um, you know he is uh, he, he actually uh, argues against it, and it was his opinion that such a room uh, was uh, not suitable for uh, for Yom and the Rome services because of the fact that it was used for you know a preacher's type of behavior, and um, and we have to be sensitive to that. I mean, the, people argue with Ramosha say that. The room is sort of called the multi-purpose room. It's not meant specifically for you know for for salsa or or, or you know or, or doing the twist. It's just that it's the big room where you have programs all the time. So it's almost it has like a, a temporary aspect to it. Again, obviously the imam has to possibly yeah, we have we have the same issues with with the vayizar also because it's a, it's not just the you know, multi-purpose. It's not just the question. Right. Of, well, there if it's if there it's owned by the again. I was asked the Shaila when when I was the Bashkiach uh, in our our high school in Houston that our team went to play in in the gym of one of the uh, Christian schools and the gym was a room that on Sundays was turned into the main um, service area. In fact, there was uh, one of the mothers. Uh, called me and said, "You can see the altar, and you can see it's right there." So perhaps the team, you know, there was a question whether they should forfeit the game or not. So these are definitely these aren't just uh, the questions you can dismiss by the back of a hand. And uh, it's a testament to your sensitivity that you're worried about it. Of course, no one is going to force. Besides what you're talking about, no one's going to force any of the Muslims 
uh, a Muslim inmate to to care for a dog. This obviously is no. for those that need to, and this is obviously something that's on a uh, on a volunteer basis. Um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to close up the show here, Yitzhak, but I guess uh, how about if we close it on a medrash that I mentioned to you earlier? Uh, I think it's in the Psikter of Kana where it says, Vayosim Hashem Lakayan Os. And we talk about people who are prisoners, people who feel that they have been, um, they have done a, uh, a a great act of criminality to society. They are shunned. They are they are not welcome. They are uh, uh, they are cast away. Well, Cain, of course, is the ultimate uh, prison, uh, criminal in this way. The first of the of the Bible's criminals. Obviously, you know you can you can say Adam is a criminal, but he's not treated like one. He's punished, but not in a way that we would uh, uh, we would feel is similar to criminal punishment. Cain, on the other hand, uh, has to just keep on moving. Um, he is not welcome anywhere. He's not locked up, but he's in a situation where um, he's hated, and you know people will kill him. And the Bible says, and God gave to Cain a sign, a mark of Cain, so to speak. The os that somehow would protect him from being killed. What was that? Some sort of magical, mystical uh, marking that people were scared of? So one of the interpretations in the Medrash is that this was a dog. That the dog, and this is according to the Medrash, the source for the human-dog relationship, which is so unique and different. Dog is not just a wolf who's friendly. (laughs) There's something about dogs and humans that are essential. There's something about dogs and humans where the dog looks at the human, cares for the human, generates, as I said in the beginning of the program, pure, unadulterated love for the human. And that somehow, Kyan, for all his faults and for all the evil that he did, bringing death into the world, murdering his brother, God understood that what he needed for protection, maybe, and maybe even for able to live with himself and to be able to have some sort of stability and was to have a dog. So I would say that definitely from a biblical standpoint, from a midrashic standpoint, this is something that within bounds and done in a way that doesn't insult anyone's sensibilities, let's push for it. And if people who are here and uh, who are who are listeners and stir, I'm sure they could, uh, this is just gener- generating the interest, I think is what, what we're all about. I, I, I remember we, when we learned that in Yeshiva, one of the boys thought maybe the name of the dog was Mark. Was 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 Mark like the Mark of Game? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, I got it. All right. Well, I will. You know, we'll bark off on this, and um, no, we'll catch you next time. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.